Welcome to the Frame of Reference podcast. On this episode, we focused on something very near and dear to me and millions of people worldwide, the principles of breathing, meditation, and yoga. Dr. Hitu, also known as Coach Hitu on Instagram, is the president of the Art of Living Foundation, the Canadian chapter. The Art of Living Foundation is a globally recognized foundation for yoga, meditation, and practical wisdom, and has helped millions of people lead better lives in over 150 different countries. We talk about things like the Sudarshan Kriya, which is a breathing technique that makes use of certain natural rhythms of breathing and brings harmony to the mind and body, all in an effort to boost the function of the brain as well as the immune and cardiovascular systems. We also talk about burnout, stress, and how to combat everyday problems and make life a lot better. I just love this quest of understanding ways in which we can reduce our own internal stresses and respond to external stresses in a more manageable fashion. I had a very, very enjoyable chat and it was an absolute pleasure talking to Coach Hitu. So please enjoy this one. Well, hello, Dr. Jagesar. How's it going? Hi, Ashish. Very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, There's so much to talk about. Um, I mean, your resume speaks for itself. You're a scientist, a yogi, a peace builder, um, and you're the president of the Art of Living Foundation in Canada. Um, I'm just, you know, curious, how did you get to this path? And, you know, what led you to this path? I was seeking, I was, I think from a very early age, I was looking for purpose to life, though I didn't know where to look, how to look, what exactly I was looking for, but it became more and more evident to me uh, in my 20s when I uh, was doing my PhD and, uh, you know, back in Montreal. And I, I realized that there was something I needed to do to serve, to to be there for people, to take people out of, you know, I used to deal at that time with a lot of uh, women in women's shelters and uh, uh, women going through a lot of difficulties, new immigrants, refugees coming into the country. So I saw a lot of cases of depression and, um, you know, very unhappy lives. And I always question myself, okay, the, okay, you can provide all the material resources to people, but then that's not enough. How do you uplift people's lives? How do you uplift people's minds? How do you, you know, what more can I do? And then stumbled onto Art of Living and that's it, that was history, yeah. Yeah, Art of Living has millions of followers worldwide. And, um, you know, the, the, the Canadian chapter is something that you're heading up. But, you know, prior to that, um, you were, you, you've been a surgical researcher. Is that is that what you've been? I was a on? basic scientist. I'm a biochemist yeah. by okay. training. Yeah. yeah. So how, how does that, uh, how was that experience? I mean, how is that something that led, I know you've spoken about what led you to your humanitarian approach, but, you know, from a scientific aspect of things, you know, 
how does that play into your current role? That had a very huge role to play because I would question what I was researching. I mean, I love the science. I love the, the work that I was doing. It was in the field of arthritis research back in the day. But I always wondered, like, for every step we took forward in research, there were so many doors that were unopened and so many fields and areas that we didn't know anything about. And that sort of brought about this, um, these questions, more existential questions in me, like, you know, what is life all about? How much do we really know? How little do we really know? And, uh, you know, more you, you learn something, more you realize that there's so much more to discover. In fact, you realize how insignificant your life really is in the context of this whole creation, how amazing this creation is. So I think these questions started to, to come up even back then, yeah. It's really interesting because I always, and I've had people who've gone into the humanitarian field from various forms and walks of life, um, but I think this is the first time I've seen somebody from an academic background go into the humanitarian field. Um, you know, what, what are you seeing now in terms of, you know, input uh, from other people sort of leaving and abandoning or, you know, their pre previous careers? Are you seeing that more and more people are joining uh, similar causes or are you sort of, you know, focused more on the stress healing and, the, and well, that side of things? for me, that career ended a long time ago, a very long time, it's over about 25 years ago now. Um, but I do see people like who are really sincere scientists have, have bigger quests about what life is about. You know, they start to ask these spiritual questions. Um, and I think they are in fact two sides to the same coin. Science and spirituality are very, are married to one another. You know, for the reasons that I said, it's just science just asks, what is this? and spirituality is more subjective, who am I? And, but they're two sides of the same coin. So I see my colleagues, you know, who are very much into sciences also adapt a very different sort of outlook, a broader vision uh, of life uh, when they have experienced something so subtle yet something so beautiful within themselves. Yeah, and I know it's because the reason I ask is there's a lot of skepticism on, and I'm a personal firm believer in, you know, the science of meditation, the science of yoga, uh, and there's a lot around, you know, stress relief and trauma relief that can be done uh, from a spiritual perspective, from a mental perspective, but uh, there's a lot of conversation, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I would categorize as hokey that, you know, stuff that gets put up in massive talks, people buy thousands of dollars of subscriptions and books and stuff for, and there's, you know, the mid-range stuff that now is becoming more and more mainstream where you see, you know, people talking about it in corporate life and things like that. But I, I'm more focused on, you know, the stuff that people can do on their own, right? Like, I think that's the more powerful stuff. So, um, what has been your experience in, in trauma and stress relief um, in the form of, you know, helping people from all walks of life? People are looking for the same experience. People from any walk of life 
any culture, any denomination, any uh, you know spiritual or otherwise background, they want to be happy, they want to be peaceful, they want to experience serenity, they want to experience connection with themselves, with their communities, they want to live and thrive in whatever they do, live optimally. So people are the same, they want the same experience. So teaching in various cultures, which I have, uh, it brings back the same, us to the same, comes back full circle that we're all one, we're all the same, it's the same consciousness, and uh, it's the mind that creates the divisions and the, the barriers and the judgments. Ultimately, we are all the same and we connect to one another on a deeper level. Yeah, and um, I saw some of the work that you've done in Africa, for example, like, and, and you know, there's many war-torn uh, parts of the world right now um, experiencing lots of trauma and lots of, uh, you know, uh, negative influences. What's been your experience on, on in those places where, you know, I would say talking about mental health can feel like a luxury, right? Uh, when basic necessities are something that people are focusing on. But you, people appreciate even the fraction of a minute of silence or stillness in the mind that is a, appreciated a lot more mm. because the contrast is so much more. So I, I find that in places where there's been a lot of conflict and day-to-day -day challenges are very intense compared to what we face over here and in this part of the world people are much more receptive and much more appreciative because they value peace of mind they value peace of mind yeah and peace of mind is 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 free right you don't have to buy it or, or like it's not something you have to subscribe to um i mean from a like let's say male and female dynamic, have you seen like resistance in any form? Like do you feel like there's different cultures show different levels of resistance to, no? no, uh, no? no never, I've never come across anything like that. You know, ultimately, we all, we're all connected and the moment somebody experiences the meditations or the, the Sudarshan Kriya, the sky breath meditation technique that we teach, something, some other dimension opens up to them. And then they start to relate in a very different manner. They start to understand things with a broader perspective. And, you know, so gender has no, no barrier, no relevance. Yeah. So, so for a beginner, like, you know, I like to meditate myself and my wife is, a, you know, very uh, experienced in yoga, but we don't necessarily, you know, have the same practices. How do you recommend uh, people start? You know, what are the best ways to start with meditation? Learn under an in, with a guided instructor, with an experienced instructor who has the skill and the know-how and experience on how to teach and what to teach. And uh, that's why the presence of a, or the teachings under a, an authentic uh, teacher is very, very important. And what do you think about the apps that are out there? Have you have you seen apps something? Can work. They yeah. can, I mean, they, they do help to a certain degree. Um, and even our, you know, all of, all, of, all of Art of Living's content, a lot of our content is now available on apps because that's mm. the age in which we live today. People want to be able to have access to anything anywhere and, you know, just at the tip of their fingers. 
So they can work, well, you know, if you have guided meditations on an app, by all means, go ahead and use it. But find some way to connect to yourself. Find some way, even if it's few, 10 minutes a day, um, for yourself. And that that is where these other methods, means and methods have had to evolve because our lifestyle has changed so much. Yeah, and, and so I'm curious because lifestyles have changed a lot. What has given you the most happiness over the last two, three years? You mean during this pandemic or? Yeah, yeah. How, well, yeah. my practices, I, I don't compromise on them. Uh, mm -hmm. I have, you know, I practice Sudarshan Kriya meditation, yoga, asanas every day. And I, I, I cannot start my day without that. Mm -hmm. This is what has kept me afloat. <laughs> my sanity and you know, looked after my mental health despite all the craziness going on and do you find that more and more people that have adopted you know art of living techniques have they you know come back and said hey you know this has improved my life and definitely definitely yeah. that's why we, we are seeing this whole global <clears throat> excuse me the global phenomenon that art of living has you know has created you know hundreds of millions of people doing these practices wherever they are in the world. You know, sometimes when I used to travel back in the day, <clears throat> I would be at some airports in some some part of the world and invariably I would find a few people, you know, practicing the breathing techniques that we teach sitting in a corner in an airport lo lounge or, you know, departure lounge. Anywhere you go in the world, <laughs> you know, people are, are realizing the benefits. Yeah, especially especially when you're in a rush, right? You forget like, hey, you know, now have five minutes, maybe I'll do a breathing exercise, you know, or something like that. I don't know if it's the right thing to do always because, you know, there's like you said, you do it in the morning. Um, there's a time uh, and a place. There's a time yeah. and a place. And there are certain things you can do in certain situations uh, also. So different things uh, adapted for different needs at different times. What do you recommend for, you know, like, and, and this is more of like a millennial issue. A lot of us are, you know, I'd say like the content out there right now for people who are, you know, between the ages of 18 to 35. Uh, right now, you know, the focus is on hustling, you know, making sure you're having enough money to survive and all that kind of stuff. You know, taking things back to mostly, you know, um, Western society, but everywhere, it applies everywhere. You know, there's a, I wouldn't say hesitation, but there's a little bit of a barrier to entry um, to, you know, yoga, to meditation, to, to that kind of living. You know, what is your advice for people stuck in that sort of minutia? Like, how do you help them out of it? I think the busier you are, more the time you need to recharge your batteries. And we're not talking about hours of meditation. We're just talking about 20 minutes sit down with yourself and learn and practice the techniques that, that we teach. So it is a need. It's not a luxury anymore. Otherwise, what happens is you get, and I think that realization is very much there amongst our generation, also the millennial generation, that they need to take care of, of themselves. Everybody's talking about self-care in various shapes, forms, and, and ways. But this is it. How do you take care of yourself? You know, mental hygiene is as important as physical hygiene is more important, in fact, you know, we, we, because this is something we, we neglect. And 
as a consequence of that, we also start to see a lot of illnesses amongst younger and younger generations because of stress. So I think the awareness is there already that we need to take care of ourselves and it doesn't take much time because nobody has that kind of a luxury of time where you can go and sit and meditate for two hours, three hours, you know, half a day. That, that doesn't work in today's reality. So our, our tools and techniques are very much adapted to the current time. And, uh, you know, I think people with any kind of um, self-realization know that they need to attend to themselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it comes back to self-nourishing a little bit, right? Like um, a lot of us, you know, have family obligations and things like that. It comes down to, you know, taking care of yourself first. So uh, I definitely agree on that. Um, you know, going back to, you know, stresses in, in modern day, I think burnout is the second biggest topic that I've sort of faced a lot and yeah. um, myself included. Everybody's going through some level of burnout, um, but it becomes hard to measure, right? I think everybody has different scales of burning out. Uh, I'm sure what you're doing has burnout too, right? Like, you know, constantly, you know, having uh, to deal with other people's stress and, and trauma. So how do you, you know, deal with burnout? Personally, how do you recommend most people deal with or measure their burnout? You know, like you said, you know, we need to have a break, but when is it that I need a break? Is I would love a break all the time. <laughs> you know, the basic question you can ask yourself is, are you smiling? Are you happy? Are you peaceful? How do you handle situations? Are you irritable? In, in do small things appear very, very difficult for you to, to, ma to manage? You know, small tasks become very challenging. So this, these are all indicators. And what are your relationships like? You know, often when you're unhappy, then your interpersonal relationships are also affected. So these are all indicators that, hey, just pause for a moment, look at yourself, look at your own state of mind. Is there something you need to be reflecting on doing right now, just to step back from this rut and for lack of a, you know, cliche, breathe, you know, breathe a little bit and then recharge and burnout happens when there's too much to do not enough time in the day and not enough energy, right? There's not much you can do about everybody only has 24 hours a day. And nowadays everyone is multitasking so you cannot even have the luxury of saying no and reducing your workload. The only thing that you have control over is your energy level. And that's where you can have the tools to self-regulate and have some um, increase in energy so that you can have mastery over yourself, mastery over your mind, and be in a better position to make the right decisions at the right time with clarity of mind. But that requires your energy level to be high. And when I talk about energy level, I'm talking about life force energy, vital energy, prana. In Sanskrit, it's called prana. So if your prana level is high, then you can do a lot more, much more efficiently. It will take you a lot less time to accomplish something um, by comparison to somebody who has very little energy, right? 
So your time management becomes better. You're more effective. You're more um, resilient also. Those stresses, when your prana levels are high, the stresses don't penetrate you so much. You, 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 you deal with what is with ease and with grace and move through life in a much, uh, in a much more effective way. So all this needs attending to your energy level. And that's what we teach. That's what the science of yoga, meditation, all that delivers. Yeah, for, I guess th this is great because for a lot of listeners, I think the, the news is, I think, wake up early and do some breathing and exercise <laughs> over there, you know, because that helps a lot to, to calm your, your senses down, bring you to that energy level like you're speaking. Um, speaking of breathing, I'm, I'm very curious about, you know, I'm always asking people who are, you know, experts on this, uh, the science of breathing, um, you know, what are we doing wrong mostly in our daily lives and how can we just improve breathing from with some basic techniques? You're not doing anything wrong. It's just that there's so much accumulated noise in the mind or stress in your nervous system that there is now a discord between what we call in the system of yoga, we call them the seven levels of existence. So we have the body, the breath, the mind, the intellect, the memory, ego, and the spirit. Now, when the nervous system is stressed, each of these layers, or you can call them biorhythms, are out of sync. Your body is doing something, mind is doing something else, breath is in another sync, your intellect, memory, doing something else. So this causes turbulence. This is stress. This is what we call stress. And through certain techniques, for example, the Sudarshan Kriya technique that we teach, we realign these, bring back harmony into these biorhythms so that you're now aligned with yourself and with nature, with existence. And breath also has a very tight correlation with um, the state of mind that you're in. Like you'll notice if I ask you, how do you breathe when you're angry? What happens to your breath? super fast and, and erratic and when you're sad it's heavy there's more emphasis on the exhalation when you're happy it's long and deep when there's anxiety it's superficial and, and fast so there's a corresponding rhythm uh, and there's a correlation between how you breathe and the state of your mind and now science is catching up to that they're realizing something that was known in the ancient science of yoga for millennia you know, the regulation of breath can alter the state of mind, can stop the flow of thoughts. All this is there in the ancient yogic, yogic scriptures, Patanjali Yoga Sutras, Yoga Vashishta, all of that. Now science realizes, yeah, by regulating your breath, the rhythms of your breath, you can change the state of your nervous system. So you move from fight flight into a more parasympathetic rest and digest mode. So for somebody who's constantly under a lot of pressure, there's a lot of demands on them, there's a lot of um, external stimulation and stress, you need to have a, a system that is calm, resilient, and at the same time, highly expanded and alert. Then you're at your optimal. But that's not how most people are. 
more stress, what happens is that you start to accumulate stress and immediately your sympathetic system kicks in and you're in this fight flight mode and then you get angry, you, you are lashing out, you're irritable, everything else you know, starts to fall apart. That's why breath work is needed. Meditation is needed because again, your brain function changes, your state of your nervous system changes and all other physiological, endocrinological, biochemical systems also regulate so that you can live better, you can live a more balanced life, a happier life, a more peaceful life. And there's a lot of data now that supports the science, what is happening in meditation, what is happening in Sudarshan Kriya, how the breathing is working at all these different levels. Can you talk a little bit more about the Sudarshan Kriya? I know you mentioned the ancient uh, techniques as well. The ancient uh, knowledge that we had uh, is being you know, validated by science. What do you see in the Sudarshan Kriya which has resonated with a lot of people? The Sudarshan Kriya also now they're over, you know, many, many uh, research papers peer reviewed that demonstrate its efficacy in, um, you know, bringing relief from depression, anxiety, um, even post-traumatic stress. We have some studies happening here, even in Canada on PTSD and Sudarshan Kriya. So there's a lot of evidence now that shows that Kriya works. Sudarshan Kriya works and it also changes things at the physiological level like your stress hormone level drops, your cholesterol level drops, your blood pressure drops, uh, you know, is regulated. Many such things. People who have many chronic conditions also report that it is helping them. And uh, I see this every day whenever I teach courses, people come back and say, yeah, they're feeling a lot better and even they're their medical reports are improved in many different ways. And so, I mean, we just all went through like a respiratory disease pandemic, right? Yeah. I think respiratory diseases take a lot out of us. Um, now with ongoing cases everywhere, you know, in Canada, the cases have spiraled up again. Um, I think we went from fear and avoidance of this disease to maybe a little bit of acceptance that we may get it. And once you do get it, you know, how do we deal with it? Has there been questions that, you know, your uh, people have asked you, customers have asked you to yeah, be like, yeah. hey. The Art of Living has, has been very active in promoting, uh, as I mentioned, the, the techniques that we teach, they help the immune system, help mm -hmm. strengthen the immune system. So um, improving your lung capacity, the func pulmonary function, cardiac function, all these things are improved with these breathing techniques that we teach. But in addition to that, we also need to take care of our immune system through uh, the foods that we consume, you know, paying attention to that and the lifestyles that we lead and Ayurveda. So we have a huge uh, emphasis on Ayurveda and certain supplements that, uh, you know, can be used that are available even here in Canada that strengthen your immune system and uh, available right now, especially during this, you know, COVID. Um, so a lot of emphasis on what you can do to strengthen your system so that 
even if you do get sick, you know, it doesn't attack you to that severity. Got it. Yeah, and that's great because, I mean, what people are reporting are, uh, you know, damages to some sort of neurology. Of course, yeah. there's the lung damage, and then you said cardiovascular as well. Um, Brain even now is showing. Yeah, the brain is shown to shrink a little bit, a little bit. Um, be, you know, that in itself is a little bit of a fear and anxiety inducing uh, state <laughs> for, for us to think about. You know, do you see that um, like there has been correlation to, you know, increase in, you know, neuroceptive connections and things like that? Or has this been documented in any way for post-COVID or is that been going on? Uh, right studies, the COVID studies are going on right now. India is doing a lot of the studies and I, mm -hmm. I believe in Europe as well. I don't have the data to, to that effect right now. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I'm excited to see what, what comes out of it. But some uh, of the supplements that uh, Ayurved, I, our Ayurvedic uh, researchers have uh, formulated are helping uh, with COVID relief patients. Yeah. That's great. Um, I want to go back to flow state. Um, it's something that we all want to achieve. It's something that the ancient yogis achieved is, you know, a state of constant, like, focus. Uh, you're in the zone. Um, how does, you know, meditation help us achieve a flow state? To put it simply, your awareness expands, right? when you're stressed, your awareness is, there's, there's a feeling of contraction, right? Mind contracts, we call it. Mind is a function of the consciousness. When you're meditating, there's a state of expansion, mind expands, and that's what we call the flow state. And you become more alert, more aware, and more in the present moment. And you let go, right? As the expansion happens, you don't hold on those little, little things that you were holding on to in the memory, in the mind, they just dissolve. They don't hold any uh, importance anymore. So that is one way of looking at it. The other thing is the, the flow, the cessation of the flow of thoughts, right? The impulses of energy, what you call thoughts, more stressed you are, more impulses are there. And then you have a mind that is cluttered with thoughts, clogged up, and usually negative thoughts. Prana, elevation of prana, medit through meditation, through kriya, all of those things, it stops that flow of thoughts so that there are, there are more pauses, more periods of stillness in between each impulse of thought. And that's what you call this flow state or that meditative state where there is stillness, stillness in the mind, clarity in the mind. What do you recommend in terms of environmental help there, like music? I know there's certain types of music that help you get achieve that as well, and maybe environment, right? Like clean air, like you said. Um, you know. All these things affect us. Even music, how do you listen to the music? That's another mm. thing. Usually you put it on and your mind is doing something else. You're, you're doing something. You're not really, if you listen to um, classical music, soothing music, attentively, 100%, that even that can take you into meditation. If you listen to the sound of water flowing, 
water, water, a river or a waterfall or the ocean, 100% attentively that can take you into meditation, right? Anything, 100%. So it is possible and definitely your environment affects you as well if you're in, you know, because you're living, you're not living in isolation, you're living you know, everything around you does impact you. That's why you need to build resilience. And through meditation, Kriya, yoga, and all that, you build resilience so that the environment doesn't affect you so negatively. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just curious as well, because I mean, I've since I've moved closer to nature, I found like that peaceful uh, sort of energy within me. Um, I think when we're living in sort of huddled together in, in buildings in the city, yeah. um, you know, it does affect our energy levels differently too, right? Definitely. Um, Being closer to nature will definitely have a, a positive effect uh, on your nervous system, on your state of mind, definitely. Yeah. Um, another question I had, and this is maybe just me thinking out loud, but you know, I see that you've worked with global leaders um, I've, in, in government officials as well. Um, there's a lot of pressure in, on that role. There's a lot of pressure on global leaders right now. Um, you know, have you seen that, and you mentioned the seven layers like intellect, uh, ego and things like that. Have you seen that, you know, for government leaders and global leaders with high pressure jobs, like has their ego gone out of whack? Has there been, has there been more of an adjustment for them and they need it, right? Like I feel like we put a lot of our stresses onto them. Uh, as individuals, I think I think to answer that, Ashish, I would say more responsibility you shoulder, more you need to um, take care of your state of mind, you know, through meditation, etc. Because that is what will enable you to make the right decisions for the people, and it will also cultivate the ethics, uh, the um, human values inculcate rather you know, bring forward those human values that make you a good leader right so if you're there caring for others more than you care for your own needs then you'll be a better leader if you're not driven by greed but you're sincerely driven by the the need to care for others and to uplift others then you're a good leader. So it is every leader's responsibility to meditate and to take care of themselves mentally. Do you think that by doing these art of living practices, people can build more empathy within themselves? Because I feel like not everybody has empathy built in, right? Like it's not always taught in your home. It's not always there in your environment. Um, we are taught to, you know, grind and, uh, you know, survival of the fittest, which can be a, a negative term in itself, brings, brings out negative parts of us, right? Um, does, do you find these art of living practices bring in empathy? They definitely us? change you because they bring, bring about an inner transformation, an inner awakening, and empathy is a natural result of that. In fact, em empathy is already there inside each one of us. If you look at children, they have it very much so, right? But as we grow older, it is then layered, shielded by layers and layers of stress that we accumulate. Then those human values of love, empathy, compassion, they don't express themselves in your day-to-day -day life. 
because it's, your mind is again cluttered with stress and negativity you know so definitely these practices would do bring about a shift and that's what gurudev the founder shri shri ravi shankar is doing is bringing about these transformations at very high levels you know how do you build peace between communities how do you mediate how do you bring about conf resolve conflicts between nations there needs to be a higher level of understanding that comes from the depth that you are or we are all one that there's no prejudices and separation that the mind creates for that you need to attend to the source that you are inside and if every human being that ex experiences these tools and techniques and is from is peaceful from within then there's no room for war there's no room for conflict you know conflict arises because it's there in the mind in your own mind mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely i mean there's a there's a conflict i think right now between humanity and nature i think that's the biggest conflict we're seeing right now i think and the way i look at it personally is some of our toxic effects you know the way we don't handle ourselves is being manifested in the way you know climate change and other things are happening right now um so yeah i mean this is something that that is definitely the need of the hour but you know do you believe that we need like nationhood do you feel like this is a, a mark of change that you know we're thinking of oneness more because nations and nationhoods and all that they become pro problematic after a while not if it comes from a spiritual level right when you realize that all human beings are the same that we are one doesn't matter what color what culture what you know ethnicity or or gender you come from that ultimately you are one spirit the same spirit the same human spirit the same divinity or you know exists in everybody this is what needs to happen on a mass scale if everybody would realize this would live life with that, these values then we are living in a more humane more harmonious uh, way with one another and that is starting to happen already you know we have so many examples where gurudev has been to some of these conflict areas like you know kashmir kosovo the maoist areas in northeast india even uh, colombia um, and brought about this inner transformation between opposing factions opposing parties through meditation so that dialogue can happen dialogue will not happen if there is judgment and prejudice and if there's no openness to listen does does art play a role i feel like there's a there's a big role here in our media and the way we show and and uh, talk about humanity right like you know the the mission of art of living is to spread this but you know to get this on a mass scale is not only having conversations like this but everyday people talking about it and i think art is something that we watch all around us right in our tv shows and our music and our culture yes they have a that's response taking responsibility using art in a responsible way definitely even the use of social media in a responsible way 
Absolutely, yeah. So I, I just hope one day we'll see TikToks about breathing and less about, you know, stuff that distracts us. It's there, it's there, yeah. it's there. You know, it's starting to, I, I mean, just look at how people come together in disasters. You know, we've seen right. so many experiences in this, just in this last two years, many experiences just here in, in, in British Columbia, where I am, when mm. we've had, you know, some natural disasters and on top of COVID and everything and how people have come together to support one another. So it, it does happen. It's just we need to, to be more aware of oneself and mm -hmm. the other so that we can live more like that. And what do you think is the biggest um, obstacle we have right now, in your opinion? Our own mind, stress. Yeah. It Collect stems from that. Right. If your own mind is, is agitated and stressed, it will reflect in everything you do. And from like a collective standpoint, I mean, sometimes, like you said, obstacles can seem big and small, depending on where we are mentally. Uh, you're absolutely right. Our own minds can be the, the biggest obstacle. But when you see the obstacles that we have uh, as a society collectively, um, you know, I, I think all of that can seem, all of our problems seem really small. Um, what is one thing that you would sort of say, you know, to, to deal with existential dread, like, you know, something that we all are currently dealing with uh, right now? No, no, there's, there's no need to go down that rabbit hole of existential dread. Um, know that you have a power within you that is all caring and all loving. You are made up of a substance called love. You just need to know how to access that. Every soul, every human being is, is deep within. That's what they are. That energy that resides within you is gentle, it's loving, it's compassionate, it's uh, all-knowing, all-pervading, and just knowing how to tap into that. Then you become a very strong, powerful individual who cares, who is there for others, you know, who is not driven by their own greed and their own needs, but is there shouldering, taking care of others and serving others. And that's, that's the only thing we need to take care of your own mind and you will see that you see your relationships and your family improves then in, in the community, in the society, in the nation, and it spreads. The waves of love are much more powerful than waves of hatred. I agree. I am, I am optimistic too on that. And so I just want to get your last opinion on this. Like, do you, do you think that we are headed towards, um, you know, love conquering hate. Do you think that we're actually headed towards there? And you're, are you optimistic about where we are as society? There will always be, in, we live in a dual world, right? Let's not get, um, it's no, not, not have these utopian visions, you know. Mm -hmm. Life is made up of good and bad, ups and downs darkness and light but it takes one lit candle to light several other candles one soul that is happy joyful peaceful can spread that in their environment 
So let's take it in that direction. Let's all take responsibility to spread love, spread joy, spread harmony. Then we're looking at a better place that we can leave for our generations to come. Yeah, and I'd like to leave listeners to, to add on your note that generally speaking, you know, we've come really far as a human species. I mean, we have running tap water, we have, most of us have, you know, a roof over our heads. We have, you know, higher quality of life, um, longer life generally than compared to just 50 years ago, right? So lots of things have improved and, you know, there is hope out there. Uh, so I really thank you for your time. I mean, this has been enlightening, not only for me, but I'm sure for a lot of people listening. Um, is there anything you'd want to leave uh, a message for, for the audience or any plug for the art of living? I would say that, you know, reach out. You know, you, there are solutions out there. You don't need to feel isolated. There, There is... There are simple tools that you can apply in your day-to-day -day life to live more happily and, you know, more thrive and live better lives. So just reach out to us. And, you know, if people want to connect with me on, on Instagram, they're welcome to do. The handle is Coach Hitu. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Hitu Jagesar. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ashish. Take care.